Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show that you need to know. This is episode 91 of Frame Skip. I am your host for the night, Seth Slickhouse, joined by Austin, the Athenian Eller. Austin, That's right. how's it Oh, it's, it's great. You know, it's, uh, there's some things that you do on the toilet that you shouldn't be doing, and, and this is one of those times. <laughs> you know what? I thought I was prepared for Look, anything. I never said really. I, the people listening don't know where I'm recording this podcast from. Yes. that's all I'm saying. Can He's you all in saying. Greece? So now we think you're in a bathroom in Greece. Can you confirm, Austin? Are you currently pooping? I cannot confirm. You cannot deny. confirm or deny. <laughs> <laughs> and rounding out the show tonight, it is George the rambling gambling lady stealing backpack dealing best flannel in the business george loftus i sell backpacks <laughs> i'm a backpack dealing yeah dude oh my god yeah what do you want i got north face i got columbia <laughs> <laughs> you got adidas swiss got, army oh, swiss army Nike. swiss army backpack you know what yeah. always disgusts me? Okay. Just, a, yeah. just just a just a link into that is that I, there's always those super cool backpacks that you find at like Borders or you know um, Barnes and Noble or like Hot Topic and like like you know the nerdy Pokemon backpacks or the Star Wars backpacks and you look at the price tag and they're like hundred and fifty dollars because they're from BioWorld and they're like yeah. super cheap. I hate that. I got LL Bean. I got Fial Raven. I've got. <laughs> I got those Nike string ones where it's just like an open bag within the strings or the straps oh, yeah. and just tighten the top one. Love those. They break when I used to go to the, the gym. Great yeah, gym backpacks. Gym bags. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Awesome. Okay. I just so want to let I people just know wanna, about my wares. I need to do like a, like, like, let's roll it back. Let's roll it back a second. We'll Seth, you said back. borders. Yeah. Yeah. Borders has not been open in like 10 years. Well, you know, like sometimes you just, some, <laughs> Sometimes you just get caught up and <laughs> you lose yourself. All right, I, I just looked it up, that. and border uh, borders ceased operations in 2011. So I just wanted to put that out there. God, I miss borders. There borders is a store dope. that went where our borders they immediately took over, right? And they are the exact same store called Books a, a Million. Books a, Books a Million, yeah, yeah buddy. Oh yeah, yeah, Books a Million's great. So I'm yeah. wondering, did Books a Million buy out Borders? Probably. Like, I assume like if there's like massive real estate, like they could probably be like, okay, we're going to buy, uh, you know, 600 stores, 400 stores, whatever. And because like that was like part of like a liquidation, I assume a bankruptcy process or like they just absorbed all the stock and then rebranded it. kind of. Okay. Deal. So in breaking news from February of 2011, Books a Million has acquired 39 Borders properties. There it is, dude. So there there you is. go. Wow. It's so weird because one of those is in Bangor, Maine. It's just weird to me that like one in thirty nine, and one of them happens to be in in Maine. That's just wild to me. Sorry, nothing one happens. Thirty nine, and one of them happens to be at my mall. Oh my god, are we? Do you have half of a medallion that you were given at birth? I may, I may. <laughs> I look my my stuff. Half a medallion given at birth. <laughs> I gotta look through my stuff. It might be in there. Okay, I got a memory box. Anyway, how you doing tonight, George? I'm doing well. I saw the Batman this past weekend, my second time in a theater in the past two years. I went to see Goonies last year. Uh, wait, wait, like, what? What? Oh, like, my local theater was like running old movies, and so I went you, to see Goonies. 
gave me a heart attack for a second thinking that I somehow missed a Goonies reboot. And Oh no, God. I would I would love to write that, by the way. That'd be so much fun. Goonies is like yeah. one of my all time favorite movies. Like if I'm having oh, yeah. a great day, I'll watch Goonies. If I'm having a bad day, I'll watch Goonies. If I'm bored, yeah. I'll watch Goonies. Like it just fills every possible mood. And you get that classic line, up there. It's their time up there. But down yeah. here, this is our time. Did you oh, ever watch that show, Happy Endings? What? No. Oh, it's re- it's really funny. It was an ABC show. It was about like, you know, four twenty somethings or f- six twenty somethings like living in Chicago. Dumb name, but like a r- genuinely hilarious show. And uh, someone was like giving a speech and it like went from <laughs> when it started out as like a Goonies speech. And then she just like quickly morphs in. That's their time up there. The Russians had their time up there. And it just like quickly morphs into <laughs> the miracle speech. <laughs> God, really good I want to stroke my beard, but there's nothing here anymore. I saw I saw the Batman. I don't listen to a lot of gaming podcasts, but I listen to one called Easy Allies. I really enjoy that because that's like the old game trailers, guys uh, and girls. And um, one of them, the guy who like narrated every games trailer review or video ever is this dude named Brandon Jones, who I like love like the, the work they all do. Best voice and in the uh, his his kid has been sick for the past couple of weeks, but he gave like an update today on like their Patreon saying that he's doing really well. So like that's I'm going to count that as just like a big W because I can't imagine what it'd be like having a sick kid. That sounds terrifying. Um, I heard I haven't listened to Easy Allies in forever because I don't have time for gaming podcasts really anymore. But I heard the one guy left Easy Allies this past year. Had like a big fall. Yeah, Kyle Bossman. That sucks. I I really, really loved him. He was like the host. Yeah, he's doing work with uh, with Jeff Keighley now over at like Game Award stuff. He could do worse. Yeah, he always comes on around the Game Awards. So it's like it's it's always nice to hear him. I think that guy was like just such an incredible host. Does and, uh, Jeff Keeley bear a striking resemblance to Mark Zuckerberg to anybody else? He's like if Mark Zuckerberg were a human. Yeah, maybe a like, little bit. Yeah, yeah. I like if he was aliens. born on this planet. Something about <laughs> Jeff Keeley rubs me the wrong way, and it's not that he's a mean person or a bad guy. Is it that he like wears clothes. sunglasses like at all times? Is. is that what really bothers you? Because that bothers you know that me. scene in Step Brothers where the guy's like, "I just <laughs> want to rearrange cool. your face," and he might—he uh, sounds really cool. He—he he seems like a perfectly young gentleman. Actually, he's pretty old, isn't he? He's probably like forty. He's probably in his forties. Yeah. Uh, the last time I know you were on before them, but uh, one of my favorite podcasts with you was when you were listing all the people you could beat up in the games industry. How do you feel about Jeff Keighley? I actually feel like Jeff Keighley would last longer than most, mainly because I believe he's not human. Okay. Um, <laughs> there's something oh. weird about Jeff Keighley, and I don't know what it is, man. Every time I see him, I'm like, there's no way that he's real. There's. I just want to reiterate to people that, 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 is, that is strictly Seth's opinion. I don't. I don't share that opinion, Austin. Yeah, I assume Jeff Keighley. I, I yeah, I think you're. I think. You're oh no, I I am Jeff alone Keighley. on this ship, and okay, I will cool. sink it. I just want our listeners and more importantly, lawyers to know <laughs> where we stand. <laughs> he seems nice. He seems like a good dude. Okay. I, there's just something about him. I see him. I'm like, get out of here, dude. Gotcha. You know? <laughs> <laughs> you anyway. He has like a shrink ray or like something like that. You think he has I don't any, know. Like, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I, okay. You know what I think it might be is that he hosts the game awards and I really, truly hate the game awards. I just don't. I don't think that they're very good. I think that might actually so, be... So that means he's an alien. Yeah, he, it might be. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> Him and Zuckerberg are both weird, especially Zuckerberg, dude. Like, there's some yeah. weird stuff about Zuckerberg that I'm like... I, you know, I'm not that much of a conspiracy theorist to think, like, he's an alien, but 
he might not be like a human. <laughs> let's, when you let's see talk the way about, he moves. Let's, let's unpack this for a second. As you said you don't like the Game Awards. I agree. I think the Game Awards is a strange product now. Like, I actually thought it was like a better award show when it was on Spike. I did, too. And like, I didn't think it was a particularly good award show on Spike, but I think it was a better award show just because now, like, it feels really disingenuous. Like, they just get people in because of like the trailers and the announcements. And I think that really takes a lot of like pride and like kick assness of the industry away. Like, I wish they had like a separate event, you know? Listen, I really respect what Jeff Keighley did because Spike cut the game awards and he's like, no, I'll just make my own. Right. And I respect that. But I think the thing that made them better on Spike was that he had a cap. Like, okay, we're giving you two hours of airtime. Make the most of it. When I watch the game awards and I, I actually completely skipped them this year. Every time I watched them, I was like, this is just dragging on way too long. And there's too much that I don't care about. This past year, too, it was the worst. And like, I I, th- I don't know that I've missed a Game Awards and I, I don't even know how long. Um, but watching this past year, I mean, you it was extraordinarily dragged out to me. It, it, if I'm remembering correctly, it was like three and a half hours long. And by the end of it, I was just like, I don't there's there was no reason for me to which watch is, this, which is so weird because <laughs> like there's like not a lot else to do in December, you know, like in terms of like video games. So like. It should be a thing that like I'm more excited about like oh there's like a 3 hour live stream that's just celebrating the best games of the year giving people recognition and praise that they deserve and then also announcing what I can look forward to in the next year or in Star Wars Eclipse's case in the next 6 years 2020 games coming yeah. out yeah um, and so like it should be a bigger deal it should be like a better deal but like it's one of those things where it's like a Super Bowl with teams you don't care about where you're like, well, I'm, I've got nothing else to do. Like, I'm going to watch this. I don't want to miss this cultural moment. But like, I'm not excited about this. Yeah, um, I don't know. I think it seems extremely disingenuous as well, because I think there's a, there's a lot of advertisement that goes on with the Game Awards. And I also just don't think, listen, like video games don't have to be like the other industries in entertainment. Like we, we don't need like, the award shows. No one watches the f- movies and TV award shows to begin with anymore. So that's not really a thing. And well, did like the Grammys do like the worst that they've ever done this year? I don't watch the Grammys. Like, honestly, just because like I don't listen to stuff that gets nominated for Grammys. Like I listen to like really. I don't want to say bad music, but I guess like under represented at the Grammys music. But like, I still give a crap about the Oscars. I still give a crap about the Emmys. I give less of a crap about the Golden Globes. But again, like. I feel like the older I get, the more into sort of like productions I get, if that makes sense. Like, it's one of those things where like I have gotten more excited for SNL in the past like four years than I did the five years before that. Like, I, it makes me feel like a little younger, I guess. Like, it makes me feel like a, a teenager again, like staying up for SNL. Right. Just the fact that it is like a live show and stuff. And so, like, I, that's like the one thing where I, I disagree. Like, I agree that it doesn't need to be like the other industries, but I feel like by the way you do that is to make it better than the other industries. You know what I mean? Like they're, they're following too much in like a cookie cutter mold. Cause like, yeah, the Oscars, they don't have like movie trailers. Like that's not like, it's not where you're going to see like, you know, the Phantom Menace trailer didn't premiere at the 1998 Oscars, the 99 Oscars. It premiered at like meet Joe black, which is like, you got people in to meet Joe black to watch that gosh darn trailer. 
And so I, I think they need to make a, a better product, but I'm okay with it. Like proving that like everything that you celebrate about TV, everything you celebrate about music, about movies, we can do that too. Like there's just as much artistry here. So like, I think that's important, but I oh, think more the, so I, I would the, say, yeah. sure. Especially cause like, I mean, how many people make a game? You got 700 people working together to build like an entire fictional universe that like right. has to work in every circumstance. Like that's, inc- that's insane. Everything is hand created in a video game. Everything, you know? Well, I was going to say that the thing that bothered me this past year, and I, I think I had noticed it in years, years prior, but this past year, I, I feel like I noticed a lot more actors and like, people unrelated to video games coming out and presenting the awards which was very odd to me like you had um simu simu liu who's the guy that plays uh shang chi in the marvel films and he comes out and he's like acting like he's playing a game on his phone or something like mid presentation like i I don't know if he was trying to portray that he's like a into games or something but it was just very awkward and um I don't know. I feel like I'd, I'd find those segments a little more entertaining if it was like, hey, here's Neil Druckmann presenting the award or Amy Hennig or whoever it may be. Not not these random people who have actually kind of nothing to do with with video so, games in the first place. From my <laughs> understanding, almost like in the industry and in like the, the development space, people don't really care that much about like the TGAs, what they really care about is like the dice awards. Yeah. Because that is a, a a more specific award dedicated to the art and craftsmanship. And I don't know, man, the, the TGAs, the game awards, they just seem a little weird. It feels like like, this weird. It's like the kids choice awards, right? Yeah. Yeah. The thing is, it's like, we don't really, we're in a different age now as far as award shows and stuff go, because I don't need to watch this thing premiere live. Because I know personally that 30 seconds, maybe even before it airs live, it's going to be up on YouTube for me to watch, right? So I can actually completely skip the whole show, look at the highlights, and be like, oh, okay, a new Star Wars trailer came up. Let me go to YouTube and watch that. Save myself three hours and not have to, not have to, and I can do something else in that time. It's also, I, I don't know. Yeah, and it's also weird, too, because, like, I remember being in seventh grade and, like, when I was in middle school and, like, probably through, like, the first couple years of high school, I actually really gave a crap about, like, the MTV Movie Awards. Like, I thought that stuff was super fun. They'd always get, like, a fun host. They do, like, a really good parody of things. Like, I think when I was in seventh grade, that was when The Mummy Returns came out. So it was, like, Jimmy Fallon and Kirsten Dunst, I think, were, like, the two main actors that were, like, hosting the the movie awards and they did like a really funny like mummy return sketch where like Rob Schneider played Imhotep, you know, and Snoop Dogg played like the blimp driver. And like, that really stuck with me. Like Will Ferrell played the architect from the matrix two in like one of the, the MTV movie awards. And like, I just remember thinking like, Oh, here's like a prestigious body presenting like uh, some kind of authority, I guess on like what was culturally cool. What was culturally important. And I remember like really taking that stuff to heart, but like all due respect to like the TGAs, that means more than our show, but like we have a game of the year podcast too, you know, like it's one of those things where I think the way social media has like democratized a lot of voices, like there's just so many different opinions out there that just like weren't readily available in 2002, 2003, you know? So it's one of those things too, where it's like, should we watch the game awards or should we just, watch a playlist of all the games announced and then just like create our own content based on the playlist of trailers, you know, and yeah. then like the list of winners. 
Yeah, I think it would mean more coming from a different voice too. Like maybe, um, what's the company that runs uh, the ratings and E3? ESRB, baby. It, that's, not the, that's not the name of them, is it? Entertainment Software Ratings Board? I can't remember. I, th- I thought there was like a governing body. And it's the same people that leaked all the journalists' infos a couple of years ago, which was insane. And nothing ever came of that. I thought um, that ESRB came out so that there wouldn't be like a government interference. Yes, but I'm pretty sure this company runs it as well, like above them. Um, Entertainment Software Association? The ESA, yeah, that's the it ESA, for sure. Yes, that, yeah. that is it. Yes, that's yeah. what I'm thinking of. I think uh, an award show coming from the ESA would be a little more relevant to me because E3 also always just felt like more of a celebration of gaming anyway. That seemed like that. That seemed like our event of the year, where like it lasted a couple of days. We got our trailers, our news, our hype, and we had a great time. That's kind of gone, but I don't know. From what I hear, they're trying to get E three to return. So I don't think it's ever going to return. No, either. I don't think it really should return. To be honest, not like I think this past year was honestly like rougher than the year before in terms of solutions. I guess just to like the current climate, just because you know you don't want hundreds of people in one area with you know <laughs> uh air like poor air circulation i get that uh but i think like last year like, sorry 2020 did a better job than 2021 if that mm-hmm. makes sense um it's too all over the place this past year for me let's talk about movies did you either of you guys watch the uncharted movie no i haven't seen it yet but you saw it i did see it i thought it was what did you think pleasantly all right like I, I, I went with my dad. I almost died, by the way. You almost, you guys almost had a cripple on the show because there's still ice here, and Dad has a giant lifted truck. And I stepped out of the door, and immediately slipped on a patch of ice, and my legs went parallel with the ground, and I landed, and there was a car coming, and I had just enough time oh my to pull like, my legs and roll over, and the car went past. I'm like, oh my god, Jesus! Yeah, so I almost, I almost <laughs> was a cripple because I. Would have ran right over my kneecaps, but the Uncharted movie, without spoiling it, was like fine. But the whole time I'm watching it, I was like, "We already have a better version of this, though." And this is this kind of where I was, I was trying to round it out to, was like, "We don't need to be like the other industries because we already have the best version of this." Uncharted is already an extremely cinematic game, and like, I'm sorry, the Nathan Drake that we got in the video games is better than Tom Holland's Nathan Drake. They did probably the best adaption they possibly could, except for like the last really odd 20 minutes where they just went way too big with it. And also but, Mark Wahlberg. Let's not give him too much credit. Wahlberg's okay. It's not the no, solid. I, I, I just chosen. like, I hate him as a human being. <laughs> I hate really? everything about him as a human being. Yeah. You don't like, you don't like Marky Mark and the funky bunch. I don't know. It's r- really weird. To you me don't, know. you don't like Wahlbergers. George, I don't. I generally don't like people who uh, commit hate crimes in general. That, that's my okay. My philosophy. You. Yeah, good burgers though. Good burgers though. Do they have good burgers? You ever been there? I don't know. I've never been. There's actually one in Atlanta, but I've never been. Hmm. I'm sure they're well, not that good. I yeah. I mean, it seems like a pretty typical burger joint. But what I will say is that I thought it was going to be terrible, and it's fine. If it comes out and you want to rent it or buy the Blu-ray, I think that that's a, that's a reasonable purchase. What I really wanted to talk about 
was the Batman. I want to hear what you guys thought about the Batman. Austin, go for it. Um, it's the best Batman film ever released for me. I mean, I there, nothing tops it. I and I. That's yeah, I don't know. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say something here. If you, if you if someone says like their favorite Batman movie is the Batman or Batman Returns or the Dark Knight, and if you come back to say really my favorite's Mask of the Phantasm, like go screw yourself, man. Like no, <laughs> it's not the same. It's really the not Red the Hood's same. A better animated movie anyway. So what's that? I said Under the Red Hood was a better animated movie anyway. What's really funny about that is everyone hated that comic, but that movie is like the most beloved DC. Yeah animated movie and it's like beat for beat the same exact thing so like i don't understand <laughs> yeah. what happened that movie um, is fantastic but yeah just like obviously mask of phantasm is great but like we're talking live action like don't be that d-hole who, who brings up mask of phantasm i thought it was awesome still not my favorite but like it's probably i i can't even say like the best made batman movie because like i really do think chris nolan's like a genius and like unparalleled in terms of like scope and the way he films things yeah. but i think it's easily like the prettiest batman movie i've ever seen like when was the last time you saw someone like really care about like framing and like shot construction there's one scene this isn't a spoiler because i'm not going to do any story beats but there's one scene where like batman's fighting in a tunnel that's completely dark and is only lit by like the flashes of gunfire and it's like one of the coolest things mm, i've yeah. seen in a movie in the past couple years and like that level of like i I, th- I think chris nolan is like technically more impressive and I think I really, really prefer that. But like, man, this is like a gorgeous movie. And it had a lot of like Tim Burton-esque nods in like the the yeah. art direction, which I really appreciate. Like it felt like a neo-gothic noir Gotham, which I was like so stoked to see. Like it had personality, which is like my biggest thing about Marvel movies completely lacking it. Yeah, that's the thing with this movie. I mean, honestly, that's why it really stood out for me is aside from, I mean, Truthfully, I was not expecting Robert Pattinson to like just nail the character. And, and to me, he did. I thought he was flawless. I thought he was phenomenal. Yeah. Um, but the, the way Gotham is portrayed to me felt much more lively and like much more comic esque than like the Chris Nolan universe did. Like to me, that just felt like Chicago. Yeah. This feels a little different. This feels like a little more intense. And, well, didn't, and they, they literally had a scene in the third movie at, the Pittsburgh stadium, right? Yeah. Like that was, that was Heinz field. They blew up. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So that's part of the reason I love this movie, but also like you said, George, the cinematography, the sound design. Yeah. Is nuts. Like the first time I'm not going to say anything, but the first time you see the Batmobile, like bonkers, absolutely just insane way that they build up to that. I actually think it's because the sound. I didn't care for the Batmobile that much. They do one really? thing that I think is really interesting. It's like one of my favorite things about Batman is like uh, it, Batman, the animated series in particular, like that feels like it's taking place in the 90s and it feels like it's taking place in the 60s and it feels like it's taking place in the 40s all at the same time. Like, you know, when you go on the Bat computer, it can do things that like don't make sense, but it looks like something from the 40s. Like it's not quite steampunk. I'm not really sure what the term is, but it's like something punk. And there's some tech you see that like he uses for like, yeah, he actually does like real detective work in this. He doesn't just like cut out a brick and then shoot other bricks with a bullet. No offense, Dark Knight. Um, but he does like real detective work and the technology he uses looks like like uh, an amalgam of tech from the 40s, like and and the 90s and also like 2022. Like it, it's really like they just put so much thought, I guess, into like 
making it look good. And like, I understand like, oh, it just looks like Chicago for like the Dark Knight Rises. I mean, that was the point of those movies was to like portrayal like a, like what if a superhero really existed how would that look right, right. and so i'm not gonna like bash those movies for that yeah i'll, I'll think yeah. i'll think of something else to bash those movies for but like that's not gonna be like a point against it that said i think my favorite batman movie is still returns with uh like chris walken and michelle pfeiffer danny devito uh i just i just love that movie because tim burton is like such a nut bar and he just he made like a real Gotham that you could like walk through. But this is like the second closest to that. And in fact, there was even some like musical nods to Batman Returns, which I it made me just want to go back and watch that movie. But this movie is excellent. I cannot recommend it enough. I think I'm seeing it again this week and I'm taking my dad this time. I'm very excited. So I actually think I'm probably just not going to see it because everyone's talking so high on it. And. I just don't want to and i know that coming in with that kind of energy it's just gonna ruin the whole movie for me sure it's just, well, i'm just gonna come in with like, like, a, like a pissy attitude i'm just gonna be like nah i don't, don't want to be here right just my thing, you know i mean if i the one thing i will say and we had talked about this prior but sitting in a movie theater for three hours i mean to me that that was still kind of a struggle like by by hour two i was like oh i really need to use the restroom and i kind of just like sat there for the rest of the movie because i didn't yeah. want to miss anything and so, no, I, I mean, I, honestly, it'll be on HBO Max in 45 days. And oh, so at really? that point, yeah, I'll, also, I, would just I, watch it I disagree. I was really I didn't want to see it because it was so long. Like that was like, ah, I don't want to be at the theater for that long. I got dogs. I got to get back to my dogs, you know, like just like stuff like that. I thought that movie flew by like there is a lot of stories you could cut to make like a tighter flick. But I think this was like a really enjoyable movie. And I didn't think like I, I thought like i was gonna get tired you know like just my ass in like really uncomfortable old like historically preserved seats at like my local theater mm-hmm. i like thought i was gonna get like a cramp you know just from sitting on dusty old pieces of of velvet or whatever uh i thought it flew by i thought it was like a super breezy yeah. pace i i really really liked it the no, dark I... night still feels longer even though it's yeah. probably 10 minutes shorter <laughs> i i don't disagree i mean as far as the film itself it's just for me it's still the oh, yeah. act of yeah. sitting in a movie theater for three hours and like yeah. physically preparing yourself for that but no the movie itself i i don't disagree at all i think the runtime was actually great for for what they were portraying and, and the stories they were telling yeah i but, um i saw it i saw it coming out the, the reviews and whatnot and I, i'm sure this movie is fantastic i just want to experience it in the most enjoyable unbiased. way possible for me. Yeah. yeah, unbiased. And I know, like, especially with me being so down on superheroes right now and so over superhero movies and just being able to kind of ignore it for a while. Um, like, the, I think the only superhero movie I've watched in the last year or two was Spider-Man. So um, that's just kind of been a nice. I've been taking a break. And I think once it comes out and I can watch it at home, I'm not forcing myself to go to a situation where I'm already not wanting to go to. Is just yeah, not not as easy going yeah. as short box summary, right? I mean, you yeah. can just plug those into your ears. You just listen to two Bam. cynical short boys talk summary. about cynical comics. Yeah, that's right. It, but which, by the way, thanks for the comic recommendations. Oh, yeah, no problem. Having man. a blast. Having a blast. Got me right, right back into reading comics. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, I think the danger about that show is um, I feel like a lot of people will say that, like, the best comics are their favorite comics. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. oh, the best era of Spider-Man was when I was 14. Like everything else, Spider-Man sucks. I'm like, well, 
that that might be true. Like that that could very well be true. It's statistically it probably isn't. You know, like it's the same thing. Like I think with SNL, we're like, oh, the best cast was when I was twelve years old. It's like, well, actually, like the past couple of years have been pretty good, and like the cringe stuff gets shared, and it's like the, you only see like the worst sketches, but like the, you know, like the good stuff's still pretty good. Uh, I'm trying to go back and be unbiased. And uh, it's been actually really easy dunking on stuff that I thought was so cool at the time. So like yeah. that's been like really therapeutic, just to, like go back and like revisit all my favorite stuff and just like figure out like, was it good or was I 14? And it turns out a lot of the time, like it was pretty good, but also I was 14 and I need to stop like saying like, oh, this is one of the most iconic Spider-Man stories of all time. It's like, <laughs> yeah, it was it was strictly fine. Like I, George pump the brakes guy. Yeah, it was actually really interesting because I had wanted to get, read some more Scarlet Witch stuff um, and you had recommended me those Scarlet Witch books and it just happened to be that your show had covered. Um, what's that series called? That Avengers Disassembled. Yes, Avengers Disassembled. Wonderful story. And then the Young Avengers. Um, and then I still haven't read the, the 15 ep- uh, issue Scarlet Witch series that you recommended. But Pretty good. It, it is pretty good. I got to get Austin and uh, Elijah back on. If you want to join for that second half of uh, Young Avengers comics, like issues 7 through 12 in the special, I'd love to have you on. Oh, you guys are reviewing them? Uh yeah we did like I did like a summary walk through the, the first six issues and I got to do oh, the, yeah. uh, the yeah, next just let six. me know I'll come yeah cool I just read them so sweet nice. all right uh so sorry about that but like um I guess it's I I brought that up because like the movie I think I've seen the most in my entire life is Batman Begins which is a movie that came out when I was fourteen years old you know so it was like one of the first DVDs I I can like remember buying in high school and I just like fell asleep to it every single night. And I would just try to make it to like the 40 minute mark because that's like when Bruce goes back to Gotham. And I just like love that sequence so much. And so I really think like, I'm sorry to say more praise about this movie because I, I want you to see it. And I'm afraid just like I'm hyping it up before like you'll get a chance to see it. But like, man, I can totally see myself falling asleep to this movie, which is something I don't normally do anymore. Like normally I throw on Seinfeld and just pass out to that. But like I might actually start falling asleep to movies again. Because this just like brought me the same type of feelings when I was like 14, you know, but it was like relative to like me being 31 now. Like it was it was really good just to see something so new and so like refreshing and, and pretty. And I, I guess that that's it. That's that's all I got to say about the Batman. Oh, awesome. Awesome. Yeah, I can't wait to uh, to watch it. I guess when it comes out on HBO Max in 45 days. Not really. Sure. Yeah. I really thought movie theaters were going to die with COVID. I mean, I. I was sure it was over like dunzo for them, but they seem to have somehow struggled through. I thought we were going to get more options. Like I thought it was going to be one of those things where like they'd have to like dial up the amenities and like, not like the way NFTs are being offered, like not NFTs at movies, but like some kind of like bonus, you know, for like going to a theater. I thought there'd be fewer theaters. I thought there'd be like more independent theaters just for people who are like, Oh man, everything sucks. I want to like go back in time. You know, it's like I want to go see, I don't know, like the Goonies or something like at, at, <laughs> at a theater. Uh, and I thought there was going to be like more like, you know, available day and date digitally. Yeah. Which like I'd be all for just like I love going to the theater, but it's just like such a pain in the ass where I live to go to the theater. So, God, it would be so cool. I would have rather just like rented the Batman from home the day it came out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, what can you do? Mm. Well. I guess we should uh, start talking about some video games, huh? This video game podcast. <laughs> is it? No. Is it? Yeah. Sc- yeah, screw it. <laughs> we talk about video games every week. Like, yeah, we, every we, week. we deserve a break. 
Um, but have you guys been playing anything interesting this week? Austin, George, anybody? I have. I, I right. picked up Gran Turismo 7 because that came out last week. Facebook. All right, I will. And you'll like it. What, what, how, do you, how do you think? How do you feel? <laughs> it's, a, it's fantastic. I, I really like the game. Um, you know, I, I didn't pick up GT Sport on PS4 because that game was so like, I, I guess it was supposed to be like competitive multiplayer focused and that just wasn't really what I wanted out of Gran Turismo. Like when I think of Gran Turismo, I always, always think about the license tests and like the, the car collecting and, and all that stuff. And just competitive online only was not really what I was looking for. So I passed on that game, but I really, really adored Gran Turismo five and six on, on PS three. I played so much of those games. And for me, this game really brings it back to that. Um, I'm not super far in. I probably played about five or six hours, but, but graphically, you know, I'm playing on PS five. It is on PS four as well. Graphically, it's it's just gorgeous. Um, the the way the cars are designed and like looking around the interior of the cars and like seeing no joke, like seeing the threads on the seats and seeing the the ray traced like reflections on like the the interior screens and and whatever it may be on the on the the, uh, the vehicle. I mean, it's just incredible the way that that it's everything's designed. Um, but the the thing that sticks out to me the most is like you know coming off of Forza Horizon 5 last fall, which is pretty arcadey, you know. It's it's still got your your mainstream cars in it, but it's a pretty goofy game. This game to me feels more like you're like walking into a museum. Like you're you've stepped into like an automotive museum and which I really actually like that idea. Um you know, you 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 have this whole cafe section and it has missions for for different races and what what have you. And when you collect two or three cars, you come back and it actually like teaches you about the cars. It'll explain like I mean, I'm I'm like a relatively like average car guy, like I know a decent amount, but not like a ton. But this is like in the you know, 5 hours of me playing, I've already learned a lot about cars, which is interesting. Like I've never really seen a game take this approach. Um like this morning I was doing something, I forget what it was, but it was talking about like rear rear wheel drive, like Japanese uh, cars from like the eighties. And it was teaching you kind of like the, the balance of like the, the motor and, and how the rear wheel like affects the drive. And it was just interesting um, to see a game that way. And, and certainly it's not for everybody, but as somebody who's mildly interested in cars, it's gotten me hooked. It's like, I'm totally hooked on it. And um yeah, it's it's fantastic from what I've played. That's awesome. That's awesome. Anything else you play this week or? Honestly, no. That's really it. So. Yeah, I feel like there was no window at all between like the announcement of Gran Turismo Seven and the release. I feel like all of a sudden everyone was just like, "Oh, Gran Turismo Seven releases this week." Like, no, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was going to come out last year because that was like one of the first big games that they hyped at like the PS Five like game reveal. So I was a little yeah. disappointed that it wasn't a launch game because I thought I the only like Gran Turismo game I ever got into was like the PSP one. And so I thought this was going to be like my best chance to get into a Gran Turismo game was at launch. Um, but I grabbed this one. I'm really excited to check it out. I couldn't play it because uh, I got boned by my PlayStation this weekend. Not as bad as Elijah, who unfortunately like poor went out for Elijah's PS5. He has to send that in for repairs. 
Um, I got an external hard drive delivered to my house on Friday. I also got Gran Turismo 7 delivered to my house on Friday. I was really excited. I'm like, oh, I'm going to transfer the contents from my hard drive to my new, uh, from my old hard drive to my new hard drive. I'm going to install Gran Turismo. I'm going to let this run while I go see the Batman. By the time I come back, I'll be racing in, in you know, Germany in no time. Not the case. So you have a USB drive in the back of your PlayStation 5. You have a USB-C drive in the front of your PlayStation 5. And you have a second USB-B type in your PlayStation 5 in the front. You can only use the back drive or sorry, the back like USB port for external hard drive, right? Like that. Okay, that sucks. I thought I'd be able to just plug in a second hard drive and just transfer the contents of one hard drive to another. Not the case. So what I had to do was fill my PlayStation hard drive with content from my external hard drive, unplug it, plug in my new external hard drive, empty my hard drive on my console onto my new external disconnect that connect in my old hard drive and do the same process. You cannot do anything else on your PlayStation while you are transferring contents. So I just sat at a screen that gave me no information. I was trying to transfer like, you know, 19 PlayStation four games, just like little games that I want to check out little like indie games that I thought would be faster to do this than it would be to transfer. Not the case. So like, it doesn't tell you progress. It shows you like a little bar and it's just like, transferred zero games of 21 and then all of a sudden you finish a game then it says one it doesn't give you a percentage it doesn't give you a time it just gives you a bar that slowly fills this was one of the most like excruciating processes i've ever had to deal with for playstation i think it was like the most ass backwards way they could have done it i don't understand why like you develop this brand new next gen console and then skimp out on one of the usb drives especially knowing that like you kind of shorthanded people with the internal hard drive of the SSD yeah. that can only play PlayStation five games. So I'm a little frustrated with PlayStation this weekend. Cause that literally took me all night, Friday, all day, Saturday and all day, Sunday oh to transfer 1.7 terabytes. Cause there was oh, a bug God. that happens where you can actually transfer some PlayStation four games between your internal hard drive system to your external hard drive system but you don't know that until it doesn't complete like you don't know that until you get to 99.9 percent. so i had like a 95 gigabyte vermintide 2 game file that i was so excited to transfer from my playstation to my hard drive it doesn't tell me what games couldn't transfer so i spend you know probably 25 minutes waiting for that one specifically to transfer and then it doesn't so the only way i can get it off my playstation internal hard drive which is you know backed up and like reserved for PlayStation Five games is to delete it and then start a new ninety five gigabyte download directly to my new external hard drive. That's it awful, is, man. Yeah, and like grand scheme of things, it's barely a problem at all, right? Like I, I don't mean to like make a, a mountain out of a molehill. I'm just saying, as far as like UX goes, like this was a huge oversight, and I really well, hope a fix comes in soon. Like, yeah, I mean the thing is with Sony is like they have such a great community and great library and but they always miss the little things right like they 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 always miss the mark on like the small stuff that that means the world like for instance being able to change your psn name stuff like that chat yeah yeah they they miss the mark on the little stuff but they have such a the the big things are so great but it's always that little stuff that gets in the way of sony drives me nuts about them 
I'm sorry yeah. to hear about that, buddy. So have you, you did you not get to play uh, Gran Turismo at all? No, I finally got to install it today. I was like up until like 1 a.m. last night, like <laughs> finishing transferring the hard drive stuff. I just gave up on Vermintide. I'm just going to delete that one and then like set download location to the external hard drive. Uh, but I finally finished installing it. I was going to play that either tonight or tomorrow. I'm really excited to check it out. But like it was just like not a great start to uh, to playing the game. Yeah, that said, it looks gorgeous. I can't wait to like really dive into it. Um, yeah. The one game I did play a lot of, though. I feel like I've been dunking a lot on Pokemon Shining Diamond because I really dislike the art style. I find mm-hmm. it like really peculiar that they decide to be like. Uh, honest, no, not honest, that's not the right word. Uh, what's the word? Authentic, I guess, mm-hmm. is like the right word where they have like the chibi overworld art style. I just don't really care for that look. Like, I think the DS does like a lot of things right. But like, I'm personally not super nostalgic for like the DS like graphic set. Uh, so I, I just wish it like the character models looked the way they did, like in in the like in the battle screen, like kind of like how they did in Let's Go Pikachu, Let's Go Eevee. Uh, that's it. I spent more time in that game because I couldn't play my PlayStation because it was transferring stuff. So I was just like going back and forth. I played a bunch of demos. I think we'll talk about that later. But holy crap, uh, I'm having a blast now with Shining Diamond. I'm having a really, really good time. I'm like just like noticing so much more and like picking out what I like and dislike about Pokemon games. And I'm trying to play that in Arceus contemporaneously so I can like be like, okay, this is what this game does better. This is what that game does better. Here's what I hope to see in future titles. And like, it's just little things like, man, there's just so much like fluff in the game. And I like went into the settings and I finally like explored what I could do in the settings. And what a game changer, like just turning off battle animations. I I miss them, but also it just like speeds up battles so much Mm. more. And like, you just look at like little game world stuff where it's like, you have like, you're you're fighting against someone who has like a Cleffa or a Clefairy and like, they have no offensive moves. Like literally all they can do is like put you to sleep or make you fall in love with them so you can't attack them. Like, it's like a total, like, pillow fort strategy, right? Where they're just, like, trying to make themselves safe. And I'm just like, oh, this is so annoying because, like, they know they can't beat you. They're just trying to make it, like, more of a pain in the ass for, like, the next person you fight. So, like, just, like, taking, like, little notes about that and, like, comparing that to, like, what happens in Arceus. Whereas, like, in this game, I got to go through, like, the uh, Viridian City equivalent, like, the Eterna Forest, right? Um, or sorry, Viridian Forest equivalent, the Eterna Forest. Like, I got to go through that with someone, which is, like, one of my biggest complaints in Arceus is, like, I just think that game's, like, kind of lonely, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, like, figuring out all these different philosophies, trying to pinpoint, because, like, I got really excited for Pokemon Scarlet and Pokemon Violet, I think, is the other one, right? Yeah, I am too, by the and, way. And yeah. so I'm just, like, trying to figure out, like, okay, like, what do I really like about this series? Like, what do I think stands out? And so I've just been exploring that and just trying to, like, learn about myself this weekend mm-hmm. while... My PlayStation five games did or did not transfer to my new external hard drive. And it was a lot of fun. It was, it was great. Uh, I still don't like the art style, but that game is still a blast. Platinum might be my favorite Pokemon game. If not for soul silver and heart gold that. Yeah. Those are my torn on my two. Torn well. on those two. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, just to piggyback off that, I, there's three games I want to talk about. And the first one I'll just talk about is Arceus. So, Caitlin got it for me for Valentine's Day, and I've been playing. Aww. I've been playing it a lot, and I gotta say, man, it's it's a lot more fun than I thought it was gonna be. I like the changes they made the battle system, um, especially c- coming from like I agree with you, George. Like sometimes Pokemon battles just take way too long. And Arceus, they're over in one or two moves, almost always, and it's just yeah. a really quick. You know who's got the type advantage? Bam, you're done. Even if you're like, 
sometimes 10, 15 levels above the other Pokemon, if you don't have a type advantage, you won't one-shot them. And then they can one-shot you. It's crazy. Um, so they've definitely it's definitely not the classic Pokemon combat system. The open world is, like you said, George, really dry, I would say, and lonely. Um, it's just kind of quiet, and there's not a whole lot going on. There's not a lot to discover other than Pokemon who are just randomly just standing around. But it is a lot of fun. I'm having a lot of fun with Arceus, and I don't really know what it is about it. I think it's just collecting the Pokemon, man. It's that classic formula that's really driving me forward and you know evolving them and, and leveling them up and learning new moves. I love some of the changes they made, especially being able to just swap the Pokemon moves out on the fly. I think that is a great system, uh, a mm-hmm. great addition to the series. Yeah. But one thing I'll say, and I will beat this drum forever, this is the highest grossing franchise in history, and there's no reason it should look like this. No reason yeah. at all. I mean, dude, when you go into a cave, there is a glitchy white border around your character that stands out. And it's like, it's a common across almost everyone's games. And it's like, how did this go through? You guys have an unlimited wallet. You can get whatever developers you want in here. And it's and it's the same thing I've been saying for years. I just don't think Game Freak has the chops, man. They made the same game for 20 years, and I just don't think they have it in them to switch on a dime like this and expand and just make these beautiful giant worlds that are par for the course these days. I'm sorry, Pokemon Arceus is an ugly game. It really is. It's yeah. fun because it's that classic Pokemon formula, but it does not look good. And in my opinion, as customers, we're paying full price for these games. We should expect more. And, you know, uh, Scarlet and Violet, they look better. But even in that trailer, you can see the windmills off in the distance. Like, they look like PS2 games, man. It, it, that's not even an exaggeration. They look terrible. Um, that being said, there's a lot to like about Arceus. I think it's a very fun game. I like what they did with the battle systems, not you know transferring screens and stuff. And I love the catching mechanics. But I will, I just, you, it, you can't get around how terrible it looks, especially when there's games like The Witcher on there. Do you, <clears throat> do you have like a favorite live version of a song? No, I used to listen to some more live music, Linkin Park especially, but. Mm-hmm. I, I I'm not really a live musical listener because the the way I've been thinking about Arceus and like tr- traditional Pokemon games is like it's like a really good live version of a song. Like I think my mm-hmm. favorite live version of song is probably like Anna Begins by Counting Crows, and I love like the studio version of that song. But like I go back and forth because like sometimes I'm really in the mood for the live version because it's like a little mm-hmm. longer. <clears throat> they take some different pauses, like it's a little different. And then other times I really just want to listen to like the thing that like helped me get through seventh grade. You know? Yeah. And so like, that's kind of how I feel about Arceus and, and, and like a traditional game where like, they feel so similar, but there's just like little like bumps and creases where like it is different. I totally agree that it's like an ugly game. And like, the thing is, is like, it's ugly, but like that, that's not impeding my enjoyment of it. Right. You know, I think it should be like be brought up. But my one question is, do you think Nintendo hardware is holding Game Freak back? Or do you think Game Freak just isn't, capable of like stepping too far out of their their comfort zone i think the answer to that is clear and cut and possibly even factual it's game freak breath of the wild exists on that console and doesn't look nearly that bad yeah well that was a that was a launch game too 
Right. I mean, and, over time, the developers should understand a little bit better how to, yes. to use that hardware. And no, I, I agree with you 100%. I, I, I would say it's Game Freak. And then, which is, and the, it's odd. Be, you've got the Let's Go series, and those games are, are beautiful. I know it's a different scale. You know, I know yeah. it's not, it's certainly not like as open world, but still. Well, that, and we've, we've harped on this before in this podcast. Austin, I don't think you actually were around, but like they used to push the boundaries of the hardware, right? Yeah. Like it's like unreal that Pokemon Yellow happened on the same device that like, I don't know, Super Mario Land, like the original one came out on, you know, like that's that's insane. And yeah, then, like, same thing with the advanced games. Like it, it's just like unreal what they were able to squeeze out of what they were on. And like now it's like they're afraid of like going in the red, you know, like on on, on like your uh your RPM gauge, like on a car to bring it back to Gran Turismo just, 7. Real quick, if no one has looked into how Pokemon Red, Blue, and Yellow operate, it is a great like 20-minute rabbit hole to go down. Because the way they were able to pull off things and the precise corners they were able to cut in order to make them fit on the Game Boy is like incredible. Like the things yeah. they were able to do to make that get those games work is like insane. And that's why they're so glitchy and why you can speed run in like 30 seconds. But they are, it is like a really, really fascinating moment in game history, game development history of how they got red, blue, and yellow to work on the Game Boy. Um, but I just think, man, you're right, George. It's not affecting my enjoyment of the game. But it does stand out sometimes, especially, like I said, when you go into a cave and there's a white border around your character that's clearly not developed there. It's a it's a it's a it's a border because the character animation is clipping through the colors. And I'm like, man, the highest grossing franchise in history. And this is like like what they come up with. I don't know, man. I just I have a hard time wrapping my mind around it. And now they're pumping out these games so fast. When I saw that Gen 9 got announced and it's coming out this year, I was like, oh, my God. Okay, what? you clearly didn't listen to last week's episode because we talked. I didn't, about but that. I saw, yeah. I saw the, I saw the description, the title of it, and I was like, I, I saw it, and I was like, this is, this is crazy. It, it's almost too much, but I'm hoping that because it's sort of a mainline Pokemon game, as opposed to what Arceus is, that I'll be able to consume it and not feel burnt out from Pokemon. That was, yeah. that was actually, that was what we yeah. talked about on the show. I think I actually convinced Austin of my argument, where like. Back in the day, you get like a mainstream Pokemon game, but like only on handheld. And then you get like the weird experiments on console and you really lose that sense of like pacing and delineation by having a console that's both right. Like before it only used to exist, you could only get traditional games on Game Boy Advance, on DS, on Game Boy Color, whatever. And you could get like weird one offs on GameCube, like XD Gale of Darkness, like this game. Great game is. Yeah, it is. It, it is. But it's like very much not like a traditional Pokemon game. And like I think that this is like spiritually the new XD Gale of Darkness. Right? Like w- with more in common than like a traditional game. But like the same thing with like Pokemon Snap where like it feels like we're getting all this stuff. It's like no, that like that used to just be a game for home consoles. Like for the people who didn't have a Game Boy but like still wanted right. to play in this world. And I just think that gets so confused now in a world where where your handheld is your home console, you know? Just real quick, one last thing about Pokemon, and I'll move on to the other games I've been playing. The story's terrible in Arceus, and I've gotten to a point where I'm just skipping through the whole thing. As soon as a dialogue box pop up, I'm just smashing it, because I don't care anymore. There's been too much complete, absolute, useless nonsense that's been fed to me in that story. Um, so, 
You, you, want game story, you want a good story, you should play some some shiny shiny dies. I that so Gen 4 is ironically the only generation of Pokemon I've never touched. Oh really? Awesome. Yep. Back oh, me up. Man. How, how yeah, good ooh. is Gen 4? I love Gen 4. I, I mean I think it's story wise, I think it has some of the best stuff for sure. See, because I've heard black and white's the best as far as story goes. Black and white does have very good story too. Yeah, I, I, I would agree. I think with that's you my number three. Yeah. Like I think yeah. it's like Platinum and silver, one A, one B. And again, like I really think I just like silver because of the twist. Like you think the game's over, and then all of a sudden you go back to that's a great, that's uh, a great point in the game. W- whatever Canto, yeah. Um, but then like a platinum, I just like love. Like platinum was like a, a desert island game where like I went to move to England for my year abroad. I brought my DS, and I only had like five games on DS. I ended up buying a lot more in England, and I hate it because they're all like the dumb Europe cases that just like don't fit in on my shelf. Mm-hmm. But it's it's nice to have the memories of like you know weird Star Fox games I bought on DS at like pawn shops in in the UK. That's nice. But man, Platinum, I I poured like hundreds of hours into that game. Wow. And I think I think it really holds up. That of all the Pokemon games, I think that's the one I've played the most of. I think Heart Gold was, was first second, one, right? Yeah, that was the first Pokemon game I actually really really got into. I, how, I how old were you? I was like twelve or thirteen. I I didn't play Pokemon growing up. Actually, was which was kind of in college. Yeah, yeah. Um, I got my DS because like a, a buddy was like only getting X amount of dollars from GameStop for like a buyback because this is when the DSi was coming out. Mm-hmm. And so he's just like, yeah, I'm getting this amount of dollars. And like it cost me $40 more to buy a DS from GameStop than he was getting. I was like, all right. So how about instead of you getting 90 towards your DSi, I give you 100 and like I save money and you get more money and then you can put that towards it and we'll both buy platinum. We'll go back to our dorms. We'll do that pain in the ass thing where we trade each other all the starters <laughs> and then and then we'll get on with the game. And that was yeah. that was like a great night. That was like a February, I think, January in like 2009, I think, like right around the Super Bowl. That was like when I remember the DSi coming out and getting that. Yeah, great times. Great times in gaming history for for this guy. Yeah. Uh, the other games I've been playing, um, Monster Hunter Rise on PC. Uh, it was funny because I was ta- just talking about the game with my buddy at work. And I was like, I think it's coming out on PC soon. Only lo and behold to look it up. And it had already come out on PC. I was like, oh, sweet. I'm going to buy that tonight. Because what I was really looking for was just a gameplay driven experience where I could just jump in, play some of the game and not have to worry about like a ton of plot and stuff. And Monster Hunter just hit that perfect spot with that completely. And I I mean, I love Monster Hunter Rise and I've been having a blast with it. Um, I've almost completed the entire like vanilla experience. I have a, a few more monsters to go, but I've been kind of just grinding and completing uh, armor sets and stuff like that. So the new expansion's coming out in the summer. So that's pretty exciting. Yeah, um, I just, I, it's so disappointing to me that they didn't make any effort to make that game cross play. It's so weird, especially because people have hundreds of hours into that game. Yeah. Well, and Is Capcom it? was like, yeah, we, we don't know if it's possible, but it's like, dude, you're literally the one that made Street Fighter V, which was yeah. cross-play between PS4 and PC, so is it what's a going on there? <laughs> like, like, is it like, you know you know how like Halo has like cross-play between PC and console and it sucks no. because like, oh, the PC yeah. players are really good. So it's it's all cooperative, right? Yeah, yeah. there's no, no, no PvP. Okay, then there's no reason it shouldn't be. No, crossplay. It's really unless weird. unless this is like Nintendo's not holding Game Freak back, but Nintendo's definitely holding Capcom back. <laughs> yeah, probably. I, I would imagine that's more of the case. Also, it could just be because Monster Hunter's online system seems to work on like yeah. '90s dial-up lines because yeah. there's 
the, it is the worst lobby system I've ever seen in a video game. It's it's, rough. it's been ten years, and I still hear complaints about Capcom's like netcode, yeah, <laughs> like for for Street Fighter and stuff. Quick question: I think we're either getting into like our quick end topic, or we're just gonna end. I'm happy either way. I've had a great time with you guys tonight. But the way the traditional Pokemon games are like baby's first JRPG. I've never really messed around with a Monster Hunter. I've got like maybe an hour and a half under my belt with Monster Hunter Try on Wii. Mm-hmm. But I was drunk for most of 2011, so I don't actually remember it. Um, is is Arceus? Is that like baby's first Monster Hunter? Like, is there are there more similarities between that and, and Monster Hunter than I'm aware of? Not really. I, I wouldn't no? say any similarities at all. Well, I, I guess just like going out and like trying to capture these things, like it feels more... I, I guess like quest based than like in the traditional games, it feels like you're, you're doing like a stamp collection, but like the fact that it feels like such an ordeal to do it in Arceus, like I wasn't sure if that felt like, you know, going after uh, the, the gameplay experience Hunter. isn't really the same. I would say monster Hunter is more like baby's first dark souls. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. yeah like, I, monster Hunter and dark souls are very similar. I would agree with that. Yeah. Oh, that's really cool. Okay. I, I not nearly, I have no Hunter. experience really in Soulsborne or, uh, or Monster Hunter games. So that's really interesting yeah. to hear. Yeah, it's not nearly as punishing, and there's definitely ways to make the games in Monster Hunter easier. But and we're in like the thing with Dark Souls that drives me nuts is just how unforgiving and unfair they are. And that's coincidentally the third game I, I played is Elden Ring, and uh, it's fine. It's good. It's addicting, just like you know the other Souls games are, but thing is is that i'm not really understanding why it's got so much like praise and hype because it's not that much better than the other souls games it's 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 like slightly marginally better i think it's and I'm, I'm having fun playing it but i just i'm like okay what's your temperature on breath of the wild i can't remember sorry terrible. i've barely seen barely, barely seen your face in the past year you think it's terrible i don't yeah, think it's terrible too. i just think it's like okay like i had more fun with skyrim and like obviously this is like you know we've had okay, that yeah. discussion We've we've had this discussion where you're like, is the best game from 2016 better than the best game from 1998? Because it's yeah. like newer and there's more bells and whistles. I think that's a fascinating discussion, by the way. I would love to revisit that in 2022. Yeah. Um, but like, yeah, like I I see everyone praising it and like they're just loving all this stuff. And I'm like, yeah, but there was like diegetic quests that happened in other games. Like there was like natural stuff you'd happen upon that like contextually didn't make sense. And like I really think it's. I'm sure it's a fantastic game. I'm not like, I don't have the vocabulary to like really gel with it. I've played a little bit of it. I need to revisit it. Like I shared that story earlier about the PlayStation hard drive. That was such a nightmare. So I didn't really get to game this weekend, unfortunately, but I I think it's one of those things where like people are really getting into hyperbole and like, I don't mean to yuck anyone's yum. And I, but like, I feel like a lot of people who think that like the best game they're playing right now is the best game they've ever played. Yeah. Is it does that like ring true to you guys? Like, yeah, yeah. I get that. Like, my yeah. favorite comic book character is probably like the best story I'm reading at the moment. You know, like yeah. if I'm rereading Jeff Johns's Green Lantern, I'm like, hell yeah, Green Lantern's the best hero. But then I'll read, you know, Ed Brubaker, Steve Epting on Captain America. I'm like, God, Cap is the best. Like, I I totally get that. I do it for other things besides games. But like, it really feels like people need to like, like just like dial it down a little bit, just because yeah. like I agree. It seems fine, but it doesn't seem like it's doing anything else that other games haven't done already. It's doing it beautifully. It's doing it differently. I'm not trying to knock like the expertise or achievement that like the devs put into this game, but it's also like 
is it really that different than anything that's ever come before? Is this like a paradigm shift in game design? Like I spent a couple hours with it. I haven't seen it yet. Maybe it's, maybe it's deeper in the game. Maybe I will get there. Maybe I'll see the light. I don't know. But so far I'm like, yeah, it's fine. Like it's, it's fun. Like I'm having a fun time. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that's, that's kind of where I'm at. Like I'm playing. I'm like, okay, this is open world, slightly harder and slightly easier at the same time. Dark souls. And that's pretty much exactly where I land on it. And that's, I think that's, that's a pr- great description of it. Um, do I think it's a 97 on Metacritic? In the same vein of like some of the greatest games of all time? No, I don't. But yeah, that's, I guess that's my opinion. Um, all right. But Austin, do we have uh, time for uh, the demo discussion? Yeah, we can do that. Okay. We can awesome. hit it quickly. George, you want to <laughs> give us the intro? Yeah. This weekend, uh, like I, I shared my, my PS5 hard drive debacle. So I spent a lot of time on my Switch. I probably gave my Switch the most love this weekend that I have in a long time. And I got so into the demos on Switch because the Switch might be like the only platform that still really like offers comprehensive demos for their games. And that's one thing I think Nintendo does deserve a shout out for. This weekend, I played the demos for Metroid Dread, Project Triangle, Kirby Star Allies, and Kirby uh, in the Forgotten Land. Metroid Dread is awesome. I am not going to buy the full price game. That is just like not not really a George game right now. Maybe later. We'll see. Right. Um, Kirby in the Forgotten Land. Very, very much a George game. I am so happy I got to check that out. I thought it was a blast. Yeah. Austin, you check that out too, right? Yeah, I did play that demo too. And yeah, and Andy and I played it together because uh, the demo oh. actually has co-op, which is nice. And uh, yeah. I mean, I've been looking forward to this game since they announced it, but the, the demo really solidified that for me. Yeah, so. and I've I've never been like a huge Kirby guy, but like I'm kind of sold on this game now. Like it feels yeah. like Super Mario 3D World cross Kirby, right? Yep. Like that was that the yep. vibe you got? Yep, exactly. Cool. Uh, yeah, I'm super excited for that. The game that like really took me by storm is Project Triangle because that that game's demo is just like the first three chapters. I'm halfway through that. I think coach said it was like nine hours long. Like that's incredible. Like it's pretty amazing that they give you like that much game to sink your teeth into. And they're like, okay, well now like after 10 hours, if you want to go into the game, I guess you can, you can try the main game. And that really made me rethink like how, how, like what, what do you, what do you guys feel like the state of demos is in 2022? I feel like they're underrepresented. I feel like they used to be a much, much bigger deal. And that was like, obviously pre-internet with, PlayStation Magazine, official Xbox Magazine. I don't think I don't know if Nintendo Power offered demos. I wasn't a Nintendo Power kid, but uh, like I know I would buy magazines at the grocery store or like try to sneak them into the cart just because I had a demo disc with like, oh, crap, Kill Zones on this. A game called Burnout 3 is on this. Oh, my God. Star Wars Battlefront. Yeah, I got to try this. And just like doing my best to sneak like a $12 magazine into the the, the <laughs> shopping cart at the grocery store just hoping to get like a little little taste of those games but uh guys i i love the switch for having such immediate access to demos and i wanted to ask you so do demos for, make you buy games for oh sorry me, please um sorry um for me i love demos because i think they keep they, they exude confidence from the developers and they keep them honest too, right? There's good demos and there's bad demos. I think the state of demos is pretty poor, but mm-hmm. maybe coming back into form because really the reason they went away in the 
mid 2000s is because they weren't really financially viable, right? If your game's not great and someone plays a demo of it, they're not going to buy the game. But you might, it really likely you're just missing out on a sale. So they stopped. And then I think it's that, hey, look how great our product is mentality that is having the return of demos come about. Because like, like you said, you played Kirby and loved it. You played Triangle, Project Triangle and loved it. And yeah. it's just a giant, like, hey, check out our game. Look how good it is. Now, I will say there's really good demos, and there's also like a really bad way to do demos. I think the Final Fantasy VII Remake demo nearly ruined that game for me because the demo of Final Fantasy VII Remake is like the first two hours, and then it doesn't carry over into the main game. You have to redo that. Yeah. And I and it just it ruined the whole hype for me because I was like, I put the game in, and at the moment where I should have been excited, I was like, all right, got to do this uh, whole two-hour segment again. Um, so when you were talking about Project Triangle, that's immediately what that put me back to. I was like, oh, man. Your that's save so carries awesome. over from the demo into the main game. That's awesome. Then there's like really, really awesome ways to do demos, which is the way Final Fantasy fifteen did it, where they had specific pieces of game that you that are not in the main game, but you can only play them this way through the demo. And I thought, and that it's like a, Hey, here's how our game looks. Here's how the game feels, the gameplay. And this is what you can expect when the main game comes out. They did that like, with um, resident evil seven as well. They released that like house demo or whatever it was. And that yeah. house is in the game, but the actual demo, the, the stuff that you were playing, was not in the the game it it was like a different way that it operated and different things were happening and i think it was more so just to show like hey this is what the game looks like and what it kind of plays like and here's like a little taste and i i i agree with you i think that's really neat when they do that yeah i knew nothing about kingdom hearts but i remember reading like a preview saying like if you don't know anything about kingdom hearts kingdom hearts 3 is a little rough, but you can do it. And I was like, okay, like that's something I look forward to. Like maybe I'll grab that. Maybe I'll finally try this series. And then I played the demo and like, I can't remember deleting something off my PlayStation faster <laughs> than the kingdom hearts three demo. It's a good idea. Good idea. Yeah. Yes, like, it is I just a good idea. The, there was like a ball, right. That you could like hit around with like a keyblade. Like you were like a little kid in like a, like a little toy room. I think. I don't remember the kingdom hearts three demo or there are multiple, there are multiple. There were multiple demos. I just remember a giant ball. Final I might Fantasy even be confusing 15, them. Final Fantasy 15, that was the one where you were like in the like castle area, right? And, and you were, were a child. Yeah. And I yeah. thought there was a... God, no, that no, sounds no. really cool. I would have liked that context in the main game, by the way. That would have been dope. Uh, so you played Final Fantasy 15, right, George? A majority of it, yeah. No, I didn't finish it, but yes. Apparently, this is coming from several sources, they have gone back and fixed the game. Now I platinum oh. Final Fantasy 15, but Glad I never went back for New Game Plus. And I'm, it's always on like my to do list where I'm like, ah, I, I gotta go do that. But I just I have never gotten around to it, and I'm still so burnt by the fact that they cut that game in half. And I just I never I never got around to it. Because I don't Before, know if you guys know this, there was a whole other continent mapped out with like structure yeah, and everything yeah. that you yeah. cannot go to. It's completely blocked off. It's crazy. Yeah. We're we're going a little long, so like before we wrap up, I just gotta ask, what is like the 
best demo you've ever played? Or what is the most successful demo you've ever played? Like the fastest you've gone from playing the demo to ordering or just outright buying the game? Because I got one. I got a story loaded up if you guys need time Oof, to think. Yeah. Give your story because I, I need a second on that one. Yeah. All right. It is 2010. It is January. Uh, I think after Martin Luther King Jr. Day, because I'm back at university, I have a PlayStation 3 for the first time in my life, and I am downloading every possible demo I can on it. I know Jack about the PS3. I wasn't a super big PS2 kid. I was more into my Xbox. But uh, one game I downloaded besides Call of Duty Classic, which I got with Modern Warfare 2, and besides Marvel vs. Capcom 2, because I'm a huge nerd, I downloaded the Killzone 2 demo. And that demo blew me the hell away to the point where I went back into my download list on my PS3, like the new PS3 I got recently. And I downloaded that demo again just to have permanently on my console because I think that demo was fantastic. It's the first level of the game, which I think is like kind of a lazy demo, but also kind of a brilliant demo. But I just remember like seeing like different textures on like the grips of the gun and that alone like blew my mind like i thought that was the prettiest video games could ever be was killzone 2 on ps3 so i played that demo for honestly six minutes before i turned off my playstation 3 and then i went downtown and just bought a copy of killzone 2 and then came back up to my dorm like i walked three miles in vermont in january up and down hill which sucked just as much as it sounds like it sucked, <laughs> but it was so worth it just to get Killzone Two and just blast through that game. So I that think, is my most successful demo. I think the most successful demo for me was probably Bravely Default because they had a really great demo that I think, if I remember correctly, was what we were talking about earlier. It was like a specific piece of gameplay that you could only play through the demo, and those and it did affect like it carried over items and stuff into the main game. And I don't think Bravely Default was on my radar at all until that demo. And then I actually ended up going back and picking it up. I actually got the collector's edition in my dad's house. So I, I even spent even more money. But I think I think that was probably the, the best demo I've ever played. It's a good game, too. I like Bravely Default. Yeah. I'm trying to... I, I don't know that I have a real answer, George. But I will say, the, the second you started reading your telling your story, I was literally searching to make sure that there was a Killzone 2 demo as you were reading that, like before you had even mentioned Killzone 2. Because I vaguely remember playing that demo, and I want to say that is why I went out and bought Killzone 2 and, and 3 eventually. Wow. Um, that's the only thing I can think of, though. I, I Honestly, I, I uh, demos to me I remember more of as a child, like when when the, you had the Pizza Hut demo disc and stuff for mm -hmm. oh, yeah, PS1. I have such fond mem memories playing the Ape Escape and Crash Bandicoot, and I want to say it was Spyro 2 demos Yeah, on those discs. Um, yeah, I had the Dino Crisis disc from like a PlayStation magazine. And like yeah. it was wild because oh, like don't have like a store that sells video games within like 25 miles of me, like as a right. kid, especially. But like being able to go to like the local grocery store, which stocked PlayStation magazine and like I had a yep. PlayStation two in the year 2000 and just like being able to like grab that and play that on my PlayStation two. That was the coolest thing ever. Like that was like. It, it was surreal to be able to like go to like Bar Harbor, Maine, Hannaford's grocery store and, and just grab a PlayStation game technically. Yeah. 
fond memories too for PlayStation Two. There was like the the hits package, I think is what it was called. Yeah, I, I'll I'll look it up and send the information to to Austin so he could tweet it out from the Frame Skip account. But there was like one demo disc that had like Burnout Three, Star Wars Battlefront, mm-hmm. the original Kill Zone. I want to say Jack Three or Jack Combat Racing. I can't remember which one. But there was that. There was like a a hack slash game, which I think is a series that Elijah really likes. But like dot I just hack. remember dot hack. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, but there was like yeah. So you were playing. It was like a third person shooter. We could like literally hack into other people's brains and then just like control them. And I just remember thinking that was a really cool way to spend time. Uh, but yeah, I, I really miss those. I kind of wish there was more like curated demos like that, where like it was like, oh, here's like indie quarterly demo pack, you know, and you could just like download, like do a single download to check out like, I don't know, four to six games or something just to check out. Like, I think there is a space for demos like Nintendo, like really proved that to me this weekend that like they when they're done well and when they represent the game's. I hope accurately, but at least entertainingly. I, I think there's a great space for, for demos, and I, I do hope they come back. Funny thing is, I was listening to Sacred Symbols recently, and they had mentioned something that I completely erased from my memory banks, that at the debut when they announced the PlayStation 4, they said that there was going to be a demo for every game. And I remember that now, and I was like, oh, wow. Oh that yeah! Never ever happened. <laughs> Not even that was, once. <laughs> that was a holdover because that was what 360 yeah. did. Like their yeah. rule was that if you have a game available digitally, there has to be a demo for it. Yep. And then, which Sony is a never well, through that. <laughs> pretty effing good rule, if you ask yeah, me. I agree. <laughs> to be honest, well, like playing certain games, I'm like, God, I wish there was like a better refund policy. Like, yes, everywhere should have. I'd be okay yeah. with demos going away if there was a better refund policy. Like, if you just got like full access to the game. I, I think what you guys were talking about specifically with like Final Fantasy 15 or Bravely Default, I think that's like really interesting. And I kind of wish there was like something that like was more story based, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like there's right. a new narrative adventure for Ghostwire Tokyo, which I'm actually really excited to check out. And I'm bummed I couldn't check out before this podcast. But it's like a visual novel that like tells like the prequel story to that game. And so like that, I think, is really interesting and probably like honestly the best way to go about demos is to like do something different that ties in just like build hype almost and like make it part of like the marketing machine. But like, man, if you just give me like a lemon law for a game, you know, like if you play less than three hours, you cannot return. Or if you play more than three hours, you cannot return this game. Steam does too. Yeah. Steam does too. Or if you don't play it, what is it like two weeks or something? If you're, I think it's like, if you stay under two hours, it's like two weeks or or that's like the cutoff. But Yeah. yeah, it's, it's odd. That that Sony and Microsoft haven't, and, and Nintendo too, haven't kind of expanded that because like Sony currently, is super strict. Like they will yeah. ban you, even charge back. So it's like okay. I've gotten one refund from them, and it was when Parappa the Rapper came out on PS4, and I played literally five minutes of it, and I was like, "This is unplayable. Like you literally yeah. cannot play this game." Yeah. So I got in contact with their chat, and they were like, "Yeah, we'll we'll do it this one time." Yeah, I wish I got so. a refund for that game. That game is broken on HD. You, you literally they, cannot play it. Yeah, they should be they should be ashamed of themselves. Yeah, like yeah. I can't believe they released that. That was such like a <laughs> such a swindle. Like I have no other word for it besides like like train robbery. You know, like, the only just, refund like, seriously I got from Sony was when I bought a set of games as a deal was ending, 
and the confirmation screen that showed where I was going to pay was not the same as what they charged me because like in between me pressing it popping up and me pressing it, the price had switched and they didn't want to give me a refund. I'd like really fight to be like, Hey, you guys owe me like $150. <laughs> like you guys really need to give me this refund. And they, they, they told me it was only gonna be a one-time thing. They, they were going to put it on my account. Like a, like, like a bad report or something like that. And I was like, all right guys. Like, Bro, that same thing happened to me with Halo, and I haven't touched Halo since, where, like, I was really enjoying Halo Infinite, and I tried to buy, like, the $50, like, in-game currency pack, so I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. like, I'll I'll stick around for this game for a minute. I tried to buy it, they're like, oh, couldn't go through, please try again later. I tried an hour again later, it said, ah, oh, I can't go through, please try again later. I'm like, okay, like, I'll, I tried it the next day. Ah, oh, it didn't go through, please try again later. And then I, like, checked my card, and I was charged $150 by microsoft but like each time it said it didn't go through i was like talking to xbox support for probably two weeks and they refused to give me a refund i was like no like here's a like i took a screenshot trying to explain to my friend why i didn't buy the battle pass like here it is it said that the purchase didn't go through they did not care whatsoever so i spent 150 bucks on halo infinite and i deleted the game off my hard drive because i was so pissed at the way they handled that they can go screw themselves uh halo 2 is better like eat, eat crap with Halo Infinite. Like, <laughs> like I had such a good time with Halo Infinite until like that experience. Like I think that game can go screw itself. I think Microsoft can go screw itself. Like I was so pissed off. Yeah, that would. That's that crazy. Have, did you think about charging it back, like on your card? Uh, no, I didn't because they honestly like their support system took me so long. Where like, oh, it took like two weeks to like have wow. a conversation with a human being, and by then they were like, well, it's been two weeks. I'm like, yeah, but also like, look at my account. I haven't spent the currency. Yeah, like I have enough for the battle pass, which I think was the only thing I wanted. It, it was uh, it was such a bad experience. And so like I just spent 150 bucks in that game, which I don't know, like I guess is fine because I like Halo, but like that just puts such a sour taste in my mouth. And makes me want to like cancel my game pass and then just get it back for like the month the next Halo game comes out and then just cancel it immediately after. Can I, but, it, like, can I but, just... but game pass is such a good value. Like it's yeah. in, it's infuriating. Can I just say, by the way, while we're on the topic of Halo, because I feel like I, I, I haven't brought this up. I like the multiplayer in that game, but the more I think about the single player, like the more I just never want to go back to that. Yeah. And I, I don't like know if I'm alone in that, but I like have no desire to complete the single player in, in Halo. No, Infinite. I played like the first couple hours. And I was like, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm fine. Actually, I'm good. So did I. I think it's the best like Far Cry 3 like game since Far Cry 3. But mm-hmm. also I did that. 10 years ago yeah. in Far Cry yeah. 3 like like <laughs> it's probably the best version of it but like bro this is just kind of like a variation of something I've definitely done multiple times before yeah. and like I love Halo it gives me like the the music still gives me chills you know but like yeah. and I understand why they felt they had to change but like I don't think it was like as impressive of an endeavor as they thought it was and like it's kind of my same issue with Breath of the Wild like I kind of just want to be told a story like you guys are great storytellers don't make me in charge of telling myself a story with the tools you gave me. And like, that's exactly what Halo did. Yeah. And like, I'm getting kind of sick of games, breath of the wilding themselves. And like, we're finally at that phase where like games have been in pre-production for so long that we're really starting to see the effects of breath of the wild on the industry. Mm-hmm. Because for the past couple of years, they were, you know, like already in development. They couldn't like pivot that much, but like now games are being developed specifically with that as inspiration. And like, I'm already sick of it. <laughs> yep. Yep, I agree. Genshin what? Impact. 
Genshin Impact is literally a clone. <laughs> it is the same game. And I'm not convinced they didn't take assets from Breath of the Wild. In, in yeah, Genshin. me either. Me either. <laughs> All right. We got anything else? Any, any closing uh, thoughts, just, comments? Just that I love you and I miss you, Seth. It's been a, a, too. too long since you've been on the show. I will be more consistent now that we moved it to Mondays. That is cool. 100% fact because, like I said, every five weeks when, when I was able to be on more consistently, every five weeks I had to miss for three weeks at a time. So I was like, essentially, I just couldn't be here except mm-hmm. for like one or two times a, a, you know, a month. So I don't know. But I think that, that, that's all we got. Austin, you're smiling like you got something to say. No, I'm just just enjoying you with your. Oh, my little Allen wrench. Yeah. 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 Just, just he's, playing he's, with it. he's winding down. He's winding down. Yeah. Slowing her down. <laughs> uh, all right. Time to be hitting the old well, rusty trail. Yeah. Yeah. With uh, with that being said, thank you all for listening to Frameskip episode 91. Remember to give us a big old like and review on the app of your choice, which you're listening to and follow us on Twitter at FrameskipPod. Uh, you can follow George at purplebird 616 and Austin tweet, tweet. at Austin J Eller or Austin Jeller. Yes. He's gelling. That's like true. Felon. Remember, That's remember true. that? Remember that uh, commercial back in the nineties? Oh yeah. Jelling I'm like gelling. a felon. Yeah, I'm chilling like a felon, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Great. I work commercial. in advertising, and uh, I will never make anything that people remember quite like Jellin like a felon. And yeah. that I, it's really hard to not take that personally. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, I think that about wraps it up. Thanks, and we'll see you next time for Frame Skip.